0: our podcast is intended for mature audiences. We will be using adult language and listener discretion is advised. We'd like to remind everyone that we don't have all the answers. Our discussions are opportunities for us to understand the world around us with the information that we have. That means we may say things that are inaccurate, false, or possibly offensive. Thanks.
1: Tell us about your world travels.
2: <laughs> um,
1: well, I want to hear about it. Turbo, Tori. Tori the Tarantula.
2: So I've been to...
1: Where
0: did you two... go? Where did you go, to? Where? <laughs>
2: I've been to two countries. Two, two. Um, I've
0: really? only been...
2: Mm-hmm. And I've only been to... Um, I've really only been on the East Coast, but I've been to Alabama. So that's technically in the next time zone. I forget what it's called.
1: Central time. Is mm-hmm. it central? Yeah. Okay.
2: So I've only been up to central time zone, and that's like actually barely into the central time zone. So I've gone more eastern than western, if you are looking at a map um, of the United States. But eastern. I... <coughs> <coughs> hmm? Eastern? Western. We East.
1: I thought you we said started in the we-, we started in the east, and now we're going to the West. Oh. In the east.
2: When I was graduating high school, I went to Italy for two weeks, Um, and I went with one of the art teachers at my high school. I I wasn't necessarily a student of hers, but I I, knew all three of of the art teachers at my high school because I was that kid, and I loved all of them. They were pretty cool. Shout out to you guys. And... Field trip or it was a field trip to to Italy, more focusing for art kids. Granted they opened it up for the school, but we started kinda of started the first um, round of people wanting to go was people in art classes or in AP art history, that type of thing. And it's perfect was, place to go. Oh, it was okay, so granted it was my first international anything. Uh, the farthest I had ever traveled up until that point was Jersey, and that was for family and florida because i lived there for six months actually yeah. um jersey
0: can feel for i get it
2: no so i went to both armpits of the united states that's about as yeah. far as i've gone the, the northern armpit and the southern armpit
0: no, um
2: and 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 so we went over there and it was one it was like a multi-city exploration with your with your travels and granted this is uh 17 18 year old so mm-hmm. we didn't really have a lot of uh, choice and lots of stuff because it was through a program mm-hmm. EF tours. But rather if you guys focusing on three cities and then exploring outside of that type of stuff, there was a strict schedule. Um like we were in Vienna for a day and Rome, Florence, um for several for like one or two days. Then we would travel by bus for the next for the next town, for the next city. Mm. And
3: how long was your trip?
2: about two weeks oh maybe maybe like uh yeah maybe like 12 days how many kids there was there was about maybe like six from our school and then the cool thing was with ef tours it's a it's a company we were matched up with other kids from around the country and then we went over there so other there there was other kids in our travel group that were from um utah for me when i was a, a wee young lass um I was really into Renaissance art. I mean, I, I still am. It's it's like the the peak of art. Mm-hmm. You know, trademark is the is the peak of it. The Northern Renaissance and the Italian Renaissance. And Western art,
1: just to be clear, it's the peak of Western
0: art.
2: Yes, you are you are correct. For me, it was one of the best experiences. Of not still one of the best experiences for me, uh, for my art for my art side for my creative side because i'm you and all of us have our, our specific passions for things right and there is a artist known as uh, botticelli he did uh primavera and uh there's a museum in florence where i where i saw the most art and it was basically go to the Uffizi museum and see a whole bunch of art or go see the statue of david and for me at the time, it was a really tough decision, but I went with the museum and I'm so glad I did because Uffizi was a beautiful museum nonetheless. And I mean, I saw, like I'm standing there inside, of, <laughs> inside the museum and like there's the birth of Venus
3: mm.
2: right fucking in front of me, which is, and he's one of my favorite painters because he like actually paints women beautifully. And it's not just like Michelangelo where he's like, I'm going to draw a man and pop breasts, boobs on you because I don't really know how to do it. And that's a whole other thing because there wasn't really female models back in that day. It was. It really is. It's just like, there you go. <laughs> <What> <laughs> <That's a woman. laughs> they were crooked uh, for If
1: anything, that was, like, more accurate. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, you're right.
2: Calm down, y'all. <laughs> and my name is <laughs> My name is Dia. <laughs> we didn't do this for your conversation I know
3: no, exactly
2: Uh, and so I'm standing I'm standing right in front of this painting that I've you know that I've loved and you always see in art history books but then now you're standing in front of it and you just have like this you know when you have you have like a moment where it takes your breath away it was it was that for me and I saw Caravaggio's there which was really awesome and what are those? they're they're another painter he's he's like a very (laughs) moody He's a very moody artist, used a lot of dark colors. He was like, you know, you know that that goth kid that's in the class in 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 like Degrassi or like that type of high school shows? That's Caravaggio, but he's like a cool dude on the inside, but he doesn't want to let you know. But he's also like an asshole
3: all
0: around. <laughs> nice. Nice.
2: <laughs> and so that and, and, and Florence, and then when we went to Rome, we went to the Vatican, and I'm not necessarily follow follow catholicism or anything like that so i could experience the vatican and vatican city on a on a on a different level not saying like a better or worse level but on on a different level and it's amazing like the the city is old it's so old but it's so it was so amazing to see i saw la pieta and just and what you were saying with the fact um you're visiting these places that are very historical, but a lot of people visit it because it's historical and you can't really, it's impossible to appreciate it to, to what it was when it was first there. Like when Michelangelo, Michelangelo carved the La Pietà, I mean, there's not people with pictures and, and chatter and, and all this stuff going around and granted they kind of try to limit that, especially in places of worship. I mean, we went to, we went to a, uh, a church like a steeple type of church it wasn't like a cathedral or anything and and like on the sign I was like please be respectful and don't take any pictures or anything like that but yeah it's it's really hard to to kind of focus your mind into appreciating something when you have all of that behind you it it does take a certain person to just kind of like ignore all of that to appreciate it and thankfully like I I would go there again in a heartbeat and you can like (laughs) buy little vials of holy water and in the shops at Vatican City, which was pretty funny. Um and it was also really cool through our program, if we wanted to, we could get items blessed by the Pope. That's cool. Yeah, what? if if we wanted it. That's so, legit. so for How does that work. Yeah, did ask any questions?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> you know, to this day I, I wasn't there, so I can't really say hundred percent that the things that I got blessed were actually blessed, but you know, it's it's faith. You you believe in that. Right. right you of you believe in it. Um for my grandmother, who's who's very religious, um, I got her something blessed by the Pope. And, I, and she really appreciated that. And it was amazing. After going to Italy, I wanted to live in Florence. I didn't want to go to school. I wanted to go to Florence for school or just to live there. And I mean, that passion is still kind of buried inside of me. Like, I, oh, I loved Florence so much. So about six years later... I went to Europe again, and I went to Belgium, which is a little country uh, between France and Germany that most people kind of forget about, but they're famous for their chocolate, their beer, and their waffles. Oh. And literally, what more do you need? Seriously. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Other than a person to maybe talk about it with or, or share it with. Um, so I went to Belgium with a really good friend of mine, and... We went over there to kind of go as a last hurrah. He has residency, art residencies in Spain. And this is kind of like the last time that we were going to hang out together. And we had a, another mutual friend who was studying abroad in Brussels, which is kind of the capital city of, of Belgium. So we all kind of hung out together and had like a little, little last, last hangout. And we were there. I was there for a week, but we didn't really go past the Brussels Ixls brussels Isles, town city which in itself some people will be like well why didn't you explore and I go across you know across the country or anything like that but i only had a week there and i feel like i had a, a lot of fun and i and i had a lot whole lot of fun just being kind of this really big city for a week um which is the actual complete opposite of my italian experience and my italian trip and granted, I was older, so I could experience more things and consume alcohol, you know, and all that stuff. When when we went to Italy, we could technically drink because the drinking age was 16, but you're also with, like, your teachers, your teachers yeah. and type of thing, So it's it's definitely a, a whole different vibe. Oh, shit. I didn't know the drinking age was 16. I
0: thought it
2: was 18. mm That's crazy. Yeah. Um.
0: Wow. At least
2: in Belgium. I think it might be a little older in Italy, but I know in Belgium it's 16 because I, I remember Uh, My friend was telling me about it and I didn't have enough time to like experience a lot of the nuances, but over there public transportation is key. Like there's the, the Metro, which is kind of like their subways. They have trams, which run on kind of like the San Francisco trams, where they run on actual rails in the, in the, in the streets. And then there's also cars and buses on top of that. So there's a whole variety of different ways to get through the city and i'm assuming a lot of other cities inside of belgium are but i can only speak uh, on behalf of Brussels, and it's very intimidating i mean in europe or at least in italy when we were riding around in our buses and we had our bus driver the streets and the lanes are very very small so it's it's very intimidating in the sense that you need to know what you're doing you need to be, be paying attention because you will crash (laughs) <laughs> type of thing and, and, and it's one of the things, like disturbing the flow of like you were talking about with um the escalators which i also experienced um in belgium as well you if you want to ride it you stand on the right side and you kind of arch everything in but if you need to go somewhere you keep the left side free for the people who need to go and yeah i mean there's one part where one one part where we were on the tram and here's the tram or like here's a here's a car in front of the tram that's like gridlocked on the, on the street. And then the tram is just like slowly inching forward and I'm going, okay, you can stop (laughs) anytime. You can stop anytime. And of course you can't, I'm not going to tell him how to do his job or anything like that, but because public transportation is so accessible, it's so cheap. Like you can get a a student lifelong pass for like a year for, or not lifelong, but a, a pass for, for unlimited rides for like 50 euros. Oh wow. Which in conversion is about fifty five dollars for like a, and this is for a student discount, I will say, because I was talking to my friend who was at university there. Um but yeah, unlimited rides using the, the the tram system and the and the railway system. Granted, when you're an adult it's a little more, but yeah, we just got like a number of passes. You can you can get like a day pass, you can get like a five ride pass. They had a whole bunch of different options, which was very confusing at first and both Um, Hereto and I, who I traveled with, um, he speaks fluent Spanish and I speak some Spanish. And granted, um, Belgium is official languages are French and Dutch, but we had a little bit of the, of the romance language base because of French. But yeah, the first time, (laughs) the first time trying to figure out the, the system was very hard because the train system on Google is like the front of a train. But the tram has a little T at the top that you can barely see. So we were waiting at a, tra- a train station or while we were really needed to wait for a, met- for a tram station. <laughs> but that was like, the, the train station was under the bridge and we needed to be over the bridge to wait for our ride, basically. And I mean, I, once you get the hang of it, you get the hang of it. But it was, it was a learning curve, to say the least, uh, in the beginning of it. And also with the public transportation system, and with, with Belgium, it's a very weird country in the sense of sometimes on your tram ride or your train ride, you'll, you'll, get, pe- you'll get military personnel with guns, just normal checking out the train, uh, just making sure the, pu- this, the public is staying safe. But it's also because the, the public transportation system is so relatively cheap. It's either you pay like that two euro to go or whatever, or it's a 200 fine if you don't have a pass and you're, and you're exco- ex, um, escorted off the train by those people. So it's it's a huge fine if you don't have it. So it's encouraging people to not cheat the system that's so cheap, which I thought was really interesting. It's like they make it so that it's not worth it to do it. Um, how we kind of set it up and how uh, Gerardo and I, we we had like stops that we wanted to go to and things that we wanted to do, but we didn't have like a set schedule of, 10 AM, we're going to this place, and then then 11 we'll be at this other place. Um, Is and granted, we were only in one city, so it kind of like it's kind of almost out a little bit of a contrast to your trip. Asif, was because we were only really in one city the entire time, or I was because he mm-hmm. went to Amsterdam and then to Spain afterwards. After I came back to the states, but we could really explore different nuances of the city. So we learned like from our Airbnb, like, oh, there's a market grocery store that's really close to us. It's like maybe two blocks away that we can walk to. Perfect. And this is like, as soon as we got there type of thing. And so we walked to it and then we're like, oh, it's already closed. Oops. <laughs> but then on the way back, we see an art exhibit and like in this cathedral type building. And we're like, oh, this is so cool. Like, let's go in. It was a lot of spontaneity like that, even though like we didn't couldn't find a, the market wasn't open to cook dinner but we went to like a Seven Eleven type of bodega got food little foods and ate but then saw that art exhibit which was really really cool and also in Belgium they're huge huge on Fanta
3: <laughs>
2: maybe Europe Europe all around but they love Fanta they have all different types of Fanta flavors too so in the states Fanta orange or regular Fanta is like. A bright orange, like toxic bright orange, but their Fanta over there looks more like orange juice, like a very pale orange juice, because they actually use use citrus and use oranges. So there's like Fanta regular, Fanta citrus, uh, Fanta melon, Fanta exotic, which was very interesting. I got Fanta exotic because <laughs> I was like, this sounds really weird. Why, why is why are you named like that? <laughs> what did it taste like? It tasted good. Um, it just had different fruits in it.
0: True. Hmm.
2: All right. Let me
1: ask you the same question I asked Asa. When you looked outside, if you had a window <laughs> seat and those tires hit the tarmac, how did you feel?
2: Excitement. Um, a lot of excitement. I mean, we tried to plan our seating arrangements on the phone and we kind of messed up because we didn't really realize the the orientation of everything. So I was sitting behind my travel partner rather than next to but then who he was sitting next to was flying out of Richmond and, uh, when we flew out of BWI uh, with Baltimore. But he is doing a kind of European around the world trip and going to go to UVA in the fall.
0: Whoa, small and way. we're on this
2: international flight from Boston to Lisbon. That's crazy. It's a small world. And and we find someone that's from Richmond and going to go to to the University of Virginia and it was just wild. It's a small
0: world world, world. Yeah.
2: And you know, by that mistake we wouldn't have we wouldn't have experienced that. Yeah. And yeah, I mean it was one thing getting over a language barrier because like I said, they have two official languages because the Belgians care but also don't care at the same time. They like they care so much that they wanted their language, like the French wanted their language and the Dutch wanted their language to go, but they just couldn't compromise at all. So they said, fine, we'll just do two official languages. (laughs) And then my friend... Could be French. (laughs) French. And so what they are doing, and this is what my, my friend who was studying over there said, that every year they switch off where newspapers will have the French language first, printed, and then underneath all that would be the Dutch language. Mm, And uh, then it would switch every few years or every year where the Dutch would be on the top and then the French would be second, which is very fascinating indeed. That's pretty cool. Um, And all the transportation signs uh, for, like, stops were in French and Dutch. Yeah, so when when we landed, because we flew from Lisbon to the Brussels airport, and Lisbon is in Portugal, and that airport is huge... And massive, and Lisbon, Lisbon, and we had kind of a bad experience, but we'll cut that out.
0: But (laughs) I got you got to put that out there. You got brown people here
1: talking about bad experiences in airports.
2: So we were, so we landed in Lisbon, and this this airport is massive. I mean, you you land down on. Yeah, you know, uh, in the air, in this field, not field, but you land down and then you take a tram to the actual airport. Like, like that's mm. like, that's how, but it, I mean, I don't know how far it is that tram ride, but yeah, it was like a good solid five minutes riding mm, on the tram ride to, to the actual airport itself. And then the airport itself is huge beyond like, beyond compare. I think it's, it's, it's like one of the main hubs for, Non-direct flights because I didn't do a direct flight right. like you did. I least we, we stopped in there, and layover airport. Yeah. It's 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 a hub. It's yeah. literally and, I mean, we bought duty-free alcohol in Boston, and they they were just like taking their sweet time checking everything. And so he's just like try, they're like almost making a big scene. I was like if you make a big scene, they might like make this even worse so let's let's not let's just
0: what do you, what do you mean they um they were making uh... so
2: the, so what so what have you ever bought anything duty free?
0: It's been a really long time so
2: this is my first time ever doing this so with duty free things you buy it you have to buy it in the country that you're that you're leaving from and you can't open it until you get back to wherever you're going so. For in my case, I had a duty-free bottle of, of alcohol. I couldn't open it over there and then bring it back to the States. I had to either finish it there or keep it sealed the whole time for my trip. Okay. Um, and, and it might be a little bit different for things that are not alcohol. I, okay. Maybe like just beauty products or apparel or anything like that. It's probably a, a completely different system. But they're just checking to make sure, like all labels were intact. Oh. They're like shaking it and weighing it.
0: Like, like if it was the leaking. If out. it was
2: it. If it was it. Interesting. So
0: when you buy, um,
1: when you buy alcohol, they put it. If you buy it in a duty free, um, like- alcohol or anything consumable, they'll put it in a huge like plastic sealed bag, mm-hmm. and you can't open that bag. Uh, like you can open it, but it's like. It's really, really tough to open just, like, with your bare hands. Right. And I think it's a pretty internationally accepted thing. But they'll put it in that bag. And like she said, either you can open that bag and have it there at the airport or you take it to your destination. As long as that bag is sealed, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: Yeah. And when they are inspecting everything, we had to wait for them to reseal it. So it looked like official
1: branded like they airport can, tape They can open that. it and they can look at it. But then they'll put it in a different bag Mm -hmm. and they'll reseal it for you. Right. Yeah. yeah, Interesting. When you got to this place, we'll put our passport for your consumables.
2: Yeah, yeah. So that was me experiencing that too for the first time, and
1: yeah, that's that's normal.
2: Exactly. That's not even an
1: experience. That's normal. I
2: know. know, That's that's the thing. And and then like on the way back, I thought I almost missed my flight in Lisbon because we had to stop there again, and that's uh, that's a whole other thing. Can you
1: imagine if you miss your flight?
2: Girl. So, but it gets, but it gets, no, but it gets better. <laughs> it gets better, but I mean, it gets worse. So, so we land. So yeah, to go back to your thing, uh, like adrenaline.
3: Yeah.
2: Cause we were here. We we got here, especially after like a, a minor inconvenience at the hub. <laughs> um, And it was awesome. I mean, we, granted, we didn't, you didn't do this, but like we like went to cafes and and drank and just like explored around the the, the city nightlife and got street waffles and, and going. And then we finally went to the market. It was open, but like that week. And it was really cool. I mean, they had loaves of bread where you can like slice your own bread, which is like, there was like this bread slicing machine. And then there was like, oh, I don't know. 16 feet of juice. What the fuck is juice? Different types of juice. That's crazy. It was awesome. I mean, and I got blueberry juice, which was really good. I highly recommend getting some blueberry juice. Um, but yeah, I had all different types of fruits and 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 vegetable types of juice. I mean, I just kind of went to that little section. Um This is in the market? This is in the market. Oh. It's okay. You know how Aldi is very big but little products and they're all about the space. This was smaller.
1: And everything gets stuffed in there. But but it's more stuffed.
2: <laughs> I would say maybe it was half the size of an Aldi, but twice the products.
0: Do you feel like the Aldis there are just a different vibe than the Aldis here?
2: They they don't really have an Aldi. It's, it's a different uh, brand. Huh. But something that's also very... Something that's from the United States that's over there is they have a lot of food lions.
0: Oh, really? in Belgium? In Brussels? They really
2: like food lions. Huh. Which... Over here, so I that's hate the
0: God damn! <laughs> exactly. <Yeah>, like
3: exactly. <laughs> exactly. i was
0: yeah, thinking the sure. same thing. Like, Man, shit. So that's what you did? God damn yeah. that food, life They you knew what the <laughs> fuck they're doing. And
2: yeah. Uh, yeah, and not and not here. How they treat their you know the citizens a little different. Um, you don't tip there. You don't do gratuity for restaurants. Mm-hmm. It's already built into their pay. Um, if you would like to tip. Just as like man, you are like a really awesome person. You you know you, you do the max ten percent. Um, it's almost if you do if you did any more or you or you did any tip, it's all, almost on the borderline of an insult. Like you're like you're giving them a handout, but that's but that's not the mentality here. Uh, in a way, it's it's a little different over there, but it's kind of built into their their payment system. And the water there is so much better yes. and. It's a little, like a little twinge of sweetness, like just enough. Because uh, when I was over tap water, yes, just a, a little bit. So the thing is, um, over here in America, I I love Stella Artois. It is a Belgian beer, and it was like it was one of those things where it was on my on my list. And like I want to go to this to these museums. I want to have a Artois in Belgium. Possibly tour the brewery if we had time. We didn't have time, unfortunately. Um, And just to have waffles and chocolate. Like, very basic, basic, very basic uh, things. You know, the
1: simplest things are, like, the best things. Once you get them, like, I agree. If you keep it to the low anywhere you go, it's a better time, in my opinion.
2: (laughs) So, when I had it over there, what, what they do for European alcohol is... You might, you might not know this, but when you serve beer over here in America, in the States, you really don't want a, a big head of froth oh. that's at the top. You Because you, if you have like a big head on in your, in your glass, it looks like, oh, you just fucked up the pour. But over there, it's the complete opposite. Like a big head is, that's how they pour beers oh. in, in that kind of sense. So I get like a goblet like handed to me and it tasted different legitimately tasted different and I was, I was telling talking this to my friend Hannah I was like I I mean I don't know if it's a placebo effect because I'm in the country of it like it tastes different she said no it really is it's because the water is treated differently and the way that they make it it, it is different it does taste different I was like okay cool like I didn't know if it was just same
0: beer that you would get here it tasted different there
2: it tasted different oh, okay. there yeah, it tasted it tasted it tasted, it tasted way better oh,
0: okay. yeah I, I feel the same way like I completely
1: understand doing that my, one of my goals on my bucket list is to do that with Guinness in Ireland. There you in go. In Dublin. So, and so that's, I understand.
2: And that's why I say that the yeah. water is different. Is because yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's treated different. And especially it's definitely treated a whole different way for alcohol and Absolutely. for beer brewing. Yeah. So that's...
1: And the thing is, like, oh. it's just straight up fresh. Like, think about it. That beer has to be kegged. And then st- it's going to be in a barrel. It's going to be kegged. And then it's going to be sent in a ship over to the United States where it's going to be sitting... You don't know how many weeks past its actual shelf life. Then it's going to get here and then you get to drink it. Yeah. Whereas over there, maybe a couple of weeks and you're drinking it. That's mm-hmm. why I feel like Budweiser is like so popular in other countries. Like people in Canada fucking love Budweiser. It's crazy.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, and sell over there is kind of like our Bud Light.
1: Exactly. exactly. And, and
2: Duvel, which is, which is kind of.
1: Duvel is expensive here and over there is probably cheap. It's
2: dirt cheap over there and it's expensive over here it's
1: is it okay, good? it's 14 for half of this here is it good
2: i mean it's good i mean it's it's one of those i i kind of didn't realize this in the moment but i mean it has like a pretty high alcohol content which is nice and it's cheap so mm. if that if that's like the route that you want to go that night or whatever <laughs> like you would do um or you can do the deal that we did and it was like 10 shots for 30 euros <laughs>
1: Oh, shit. shit. Oh, <laughs> Which
2: is a really good deal. That's
1: actually, yeah. Yeah, this sounds and like a crazy night. That's the, that's the one thing. <laughs> I I was gonna say, that's the one thing about liquor. You can go anywhere. The liquor is going to be relatively the same.
2: And that's the thing. And I I'm honestly, I think it was that even though that deal is like, whoa, 30 euros, you spend on just that. When you really break it down with the math, it's, it's cheaper than what it would be over here. 30 euros is about maybe $32 because the conversion isn't really that. That much, okay. that much difference, and also, <laughs> I will admit, uh, I got like a temporary data plan just so I could have GPS and all that. But like, if GPS was ten on like a on a zero to ten scale, getting a Mr. Mime in Europe in Pokemon Go was nine point nine eight. An uh, importance. <laughs> uh, yes. An importance. So, uh, me, 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 and G are at this cafe. It's actually like called El Cafe, and I'm on I'm on Pokemon Go, and I see the shadow from Mister Mime, and I was like, I gotta go. Understands, and he like laughs, and he's like, Get out of here. Um, and so I catch two Mister Mimes, and I'm really happy about. Oh, it. Oh shit!
0: <laughs> yeah. So you actually caught him? This mm-hmm. is like by chance stuff, because like we really did try. The,
2: the thing is, is that I in different areas, I think it's more heavily populated
0: okay or more
2: or or, or i'll spawn in diff- more places oh
0: that's, that's fair because okay.
2: mr mime is all of europe
0: oh. and far-fetched is only
2: kind of japan
0: yeah. a little bit of
2: korea and philippines a little bit oh so and i could talk i could talk about that for a while but yeah it's it's different regions so yeah okay. mr mime is europe
3: okay
2: and um like to Italy and maybe the little bit top of Africa. Okay. Um so but they have like a huge range for, for, for pretty, that one. It's pretty big. For it's pretty, pretty big. big, yeah. And
0: Damn! Yeah, okay. Anyways. Yeah,
2: and then yeah, we yeah, that was like that that was the the, the drunken escapade night was that with Mr. My, Mr. My night. and we went to like I don't remember what it's called but we kind of went to kind of the gay sector of Brussels, which was really really awesome. Um that was, like, something that I wanted to do, and but he but he suggested it first. So I was like, oh, cool. Like, we're on the same page <laughs> that we want to do this. And that was really cool. And they are going to ha- – and this was in May, uh, beginning of May, and they were going to have their Pride at the end of May. So Ooh, I think – That's pretty cool. Yeah. So I, I wish we like, – I wish it kind of coordinated a little differently, but maybe it was just more noticeable because Pride was happening later that month, but I completely appreciate it. It was really awesome to see. Mm-hmm. Um but, unfortunately, that was the night that I got my wallet stolen.
0: What? Shit.
2: Hold on. Yeah. I didn't even know catch wallet stolen. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not, I don't brag about it. No,
0: I know. <laughs> no, I went to Brussels,
1: somebody <laughs> jacked my shit. Yeah, exactly.
2: So I, and so, why I say flying back was very tenuous and me almost missing a flight because I didn't have a wallet or a way to pay for it. <laughs> so, that when I was flying back by myself... Uh, we had a stop in Lisbon and I completely forgot about the time zone changes, uh, from Brussels, from, from Belgium to Lisbon, because there is an hour difference between those two countries. And we were like, the captain's going, it's kind of raining down, down there. So we had to circle the airport for about 15 minutes. And when I looked at my, my phone clock, it said seven o'clock, which was the 704 or something. That was when my plane was supposed to leave to go back to the States. And I'm freaking out because he's going, oh, we got to circle around for 15 more minutes. And I was like, well, if he's got to circle around, then, I mean, the, the planes down there can't go yet because there's rain or, you know, there's drizzling. And I'm running, I'm like, my brain is running 100 miles a minute. And there's another girl on the tram, like, when we finally descend and land and get on the tram to go to the, to, to the Lisbon airport, the huge hub. There's another girl that's kind of... Like pacing around, looking around, kind of tapping her foot, and I, was, and I just asked, "Are you happen to go to be going to JFK?" And she's like, "Yeah." Wait, are you? And he's like, "Yeah." I'm kind of worried about the flight, and she's like, "Me too. I'm kind of worried about it as well." <laughs> and both—I think both of us completely forgot that of this time zone change because technically we landed at six when the flight was at seven, mm. and so uh, we're we're running around. Yes. Trying to get to trying to get to the to the gate, and then one of the airport security people couldn't find my 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 stamp from Brussels, and was like, "Where's your stamp from Brussels?" And I'm like, uh, it "Should be in there." I mean, I went through customs yeah. thing, and he's going through, and he can't find it. And I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm going to be losing my flight because this guy is so incompetent that yeah. he can't find a fucking stamp."
1: Good job,
2: <laughs> And then like after after a minute, like like a solid minute of him looking through. A I don't know, what's the what's the page count for an American passport? Ooh, Twenty pages. Yeah. And I don't have that many stamps in it, only have stamps from Italy <laughs> and from Brussels and Lisbon. And I was like, there's not that many stamps in there, dude. And then he finally finds it and he finds it. And he's like, go. Okay, thanks. well
1: Thanks. <laughs> thanks. He just wanted to see you sweat.
2: Maybe. I mean he did. He saw me sweat, <laughs> but you're I mean
1: fucking American.
2: <laughs> but I think he was legitimately like, how did you get on this plane without a stamp?
1: Yeah. And I mean maybe like to the benefit of the doubt, because you should. Always... I mean, it's his job. Yeah. yeah. It's his job. And also, of like, passports are, like, really, like, thin sometimes, and, like, mm-hmm. pages and shit like, stick together. No, they, and that was the and thing. So that could they be were, They
2: were sticking together. Yeah. That was the thing. And I was like, I couldn't have been on the plane without a, without a stamp. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm not like, trying to scam you. You're trying to hop a wall, bro. <laughs> yeah.
2: On the last day that I was there, um, Gerardo left to go to Amsterdam um, to stay with his friend who was there. And. So yeah, he's going to like a a domestic tram train to go there, and we're like, oh, this is like the last time we'll see each other for like a really long time back. <laughs> and I meet up with my my friend who we who's studying abroad there, and she like gives me a cool tour on different things in Bel in, in Brussels. And while waiting, I went to a cathedral, which was really really cool. And we went to the the MIM, which is the Musical Instrument Museum. Whoa! In Brussels and. It was really cool, and what they did uh, was you would—they gave you a little audio box and and headphones. And I was like, ah, uh, I mean, I don't want to like pay extra for an audio tour. I can just like go through the museum by my own. That's totally fine. But then my friend was like, no, they give you this so that you can hear the instruments actually being played
0: oh, that you're seeing. That's cool. Which was really
2: really cool. It wasn't just like a I'm standing in front of this very old hearts or, or anything like that like you you can press the numbers and you can be out it being playing that's pretty cool uh, by, yeah. uh, by, by a, you know a piece at the time <sighs> it was really awesome i mean they had old 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 like 1600 like you know like musical they had old musical instruments and they had like it was really cool they had dirty girdies which i learned they looked like really weird violins with like all these holes everywhere and then they have like the the arm with with strings and they had like a modern ex- modern kind of section an electronic session so they had a moog synthesizer which was awesome they had a theorem in there thing and they had old a display of old audio equipment with like huge reel to reels which was like way up my alley right there it's so, like i'm gonna be here for a little bit <laughs> but yeah, yeah and i took pictures of like, all the instruments and all their little screens with all the information on it. And it was really cool. And there was, like, one instrument, I forget what it was called, but you, like, pedaled but also turned it. So you needed two people to play the instrument. Or, like, one person on the other side is, is cranking it while you're pedaling, like, doing uh, like piano pedals for, to make it go. Okay. It was really
0: cool. That is cool. Did they give you, like, V-Moda headphones to, like, listen to the instruments? Yeah, they gave me Beats. Shout out to Vimoto and Beats. They get they
2: gave us beat beat headphones. <laughs> no,
0: but I mean, like I'm guessing they wanted to give you fairly decent headphones to like listen to this the and stuff. Hmm. Dirty
2: gurdy, like A dirty gurdy.
3: Dirty Gertie. Like, i don't know what the oh, fuck oh. you're talking about? And I want to know what it looks like. A dirty
0: gurdy. I love it. Did you
3: see? Ah, uh, nice. We're looking
0: at a picture right now.
2: And then another thing poss- that's popular in Belgium is frites, which is French fries. Oh, french fries. So. There's about three countries who try to claim that they were the first people to invent French fries. And Belgium is one of them. And Belgium is actually the country that consumes the most French fries. In the world? In in Europe.
1: In Europe. I was about to say, bro, McDonald's in America got that shit covered.
2: (laughs) Um, No, in Europe. So, I I forget the statistic, but it's like pounds and pounds and pounds of of potatoes per person. Cost people everywhere. But what they do there is they have it... They call it like street fruits. So it's in a cone, and you get to hold it, and then you can get sauce. And their condiments are, are aioli, so they're more mayo-based. So we got a samurai ale, uh, sauce, which was basically like a hot sauce with, with the, the mayo base. Um And, yeah, that's hugely popular. Street waffles are, are really popular. Um, crepes, somewhat, but it was just more like have a waffle that has just like a crap ton of toppings like chocolate or Nutella, um, strawberries, other fruits, whipped cream. Exactly. <laughs> and also there, they have their, their alcohol consumption laws is you can walk around with an open container, but if you are being a public disturbance, then that's when you'll get in trouble. So yeah, you can go, you can carry, you can carry a beer and drink a beer all across the town. Once there's like public drunkenness, that's when that's not allowed, which I think was a pretty, like a pretty fair thing. You know, it's like you do you, but like if you get too, too much, like we gotta, we gotta talk about this, <laughs> mm. or, or come in there. Yeah, it was just awesome. It was so cool. I, mm. I really want to go. I, I just want to travel, and mm. I don't have the means to, but I just, I just want to travel a lot. It's definitely a
3: bug man. It's it was, definitely a bug. Did yeah. you try any uh, chocolates?
2: Yeah. So. <sighs> So I tried, uh, chocolates there and it was, of course, so it's amazing. And a very popular thing there is speculos. So speculos is a, it's kind of like a, in layman's terms or American terms is like a gingerbread cookie, but not. If you guys ever had Trader Joe's cookie butter, that's what that's made out of. The cookies that it's made of is speculos. but they've had, they have everything that there, they have like speculos, um. Baked goods and, and um, alcohol and food that you can buy with it, with that flavoring or that base of it. Uh, it's really popular over there.
0: Yeah, I saw, I saw, I've seen like a jar of Speculoos whenever I go like you know go down that aisle. It has like peanut butters and stuff.
2: Yeah, and with whatever, if you get like coffee or cafe or, or a latte or anything like that, they'll give you like a little Speculoos cookie.
0: I bet their cafe game is like on a different level. Yeah.
2: It's yeah. it is on a different level. I mean, we we went to like a cafe there that only did desserts. So we did like a like a dessert teal. Like I got I got creme This spot. I um, do not know
1: where it is. Herdo got like
2: some like pecan or some sort of nut thing, and then Hannah got like a cake thing. So we we just like tried each other's stuff. But yeah, that was like. Cafe that we went to and got had like a, a meat plate or like a hummus plate with our beers and then we like walked across the street and got like, went to a cafe that's more desserts <laughs> and then like in the background there there's like a like a historical arch that's right there it's oh, it's amazing cool. how integrated the city is with with it yeah like with um its history I don't know I don't know too much about Belgium history uh Hannah was telling me a little bit of it like there's this huge clock that's there and it and each of where the, hand, the the numbers would be is an important... It's a statue of an important figure in Belgian history. So it's, like, real people, but also fictional people and, and, and like, oral stories, heroes as well.
1: How would you rate your experience? Uh, so which one good. And which one did you like better, Italy or Brussels? What was the feeling you had when that plane was taking off and you were
2: saying bye-bye? I was feeling a lot of emotions uh, getting on the plane for one thing, I was traveling alone now, yeah. and two, like I wouldn't be seeing my best friend for <laughs> for a while. Um, yeah, it was it was a lot. G- getting back to the Brussels airport was interesting because I was coming from my friend's mother's house. We had to, we had to take a, a tram, but then take a bus uh, or, or, or a train, like a metro train. And on that metro train, we actually passed by the stop that was hit by the bombers.
0: Oh um,
2: That was in that was last year, um, in twenty well, well twenty sixteen. The 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 story with that is, if you guys don't already know, is that there was bombers tried to hit go to the UN and the or the, the EU um, sector of Brussels, where all all of the um, members like the high, highest member their members and their families live in this district it's like a very famous district that where that's where they all lived and they're trying to get to that stop but thankfully like through the help of the belgian people and police they stopped them one stop before Mm -hmm. the eu stop and we're going through the the stops you know and, and then like we get to that stop and it's completely different like it's it's I, I forgot about the context of it because I, I didn't know it was actually like that rail, that rail that we were on um, until she said it, was saying it afterwards. And so I was like, man, that last stop looked really weird. Like it, or well, not weird, but it looked so different. Everything was white. There was portraits, uh, like very crude drawings of people all around. I mean, the different types of people with, you know, like brown people, hijabi people, uh, white people, kind of drawings everywhere on the walls. And she was like, that's the stop that got bombed last year. And I was like,
1: oh, okay. <laughs> that? I wonder how tourists feel when they come to New York and they see Ground Zero. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder what that is like.
0: It's like, like the w- same thing with
1: Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Yeah, seriously. Like, I wonder... Where, where national tragedies
2: yeah. are.
1: It's just like, I wonder what people feel. If they even understand what's going on.
0: Whenever you, you get a second, I'll tell an interesting story.
2: And... And then, yeah, um, yeah, I got to the airport and I found my gate, but before I left, um, so after I said goodbye, um, to Hereto and then before I met up with Hannah, um, I kind of explored around and I saw, and I saw the cathedral, I saw like a really cool movie theater that wasn't open, but it reminded me a lot of like, if the bird had like strange matter thrown into it but it was still Oh, shit. It was so fuck? It was, it was, like, very art. Exactly. So it, it was very, like, Dada art looking. I'll show you, I'll show, I'll, it's called Cinema Now, I think. I'll show you the, the the sign for it, but it was just, like, this is really off the wall. Like, I feel like it's Great, Great Street with, like, here's Ipanema, Plaza Arts, Punk House, <laughs> uh, times Top Ten. Time Top Ten. <laughs> time top time. Time. Like, it's, it it's remind me of Great Street, of how, like, Strange matter is such a, a, like a sore thumb on yeah, that block. Yeah. And I also went to a books a bookshop because I wanted to go to a bookstore and I want to get Harry Potter in a different language. So oh. yeah, I did. So I got, nice. um, fantastic beasts and Quidditch, a history in French. You and read it in French. I don't know French, but I, 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 I go through it a little bit and I'm like, Oh man, French is so weird. There's yeah. so many dropped letters, <laughs> but I, I got fantastic beasts for myself and I got, uh, Quidditch of history for one of my friends who's more obsessed with Harry Potter than I am. Very nice. um, the funny thing is, is that my friend who I gave that to when he went on his like European trip, he got Fantastic Beasts in French, <laughs> <laughs> which was really funny. So it was the sa- it was the same exactly. book, and I was like, oh, that's that's really funny. It's like that's, it was it was just, was really, cute. Yeah, it was just really cute. It was just really cute about him. And he got me like a Hufflepuff version of the Philosopher's Stone. <laughs> Which has like a, a like a, a yellow? Buff? Oh yeah. I don't remember a lot of Italy as much as I would like, S- but for art wise, I would say I l- I loved Italy better. Mm. But for entertainment wise, I'd say Belgium. But granted, I was in two completely different places in my life when I went to both of those countries, so
0: you'd have to put you have to give them the rating though. You have to give them the sunny angle.
2: I would say my Italy trip, let's say like a like a four point one. Okay. And then Belgian trip would be like almost four point five. Okay. So like four point four five.
0: Okay.
2: Because it would have been higher if I didn't get my wallet stolen. (laughs) true. True. But yeah. honestly like
1: but that was the authentic experience.
2: Uh, yeah, but honestly like that whole day and that whole night I would do it again even knowing that I would yeah. get my wallet stolen.
0: Yeah. Man. Yeah. You know, so when we were speaking about um, you know, going to places of tragedy for like, you know. So uh, when we were in Kyoto, I was talking to um so we went to this our our lead sister has a her, this can be like an after, this is just us talking. I'm not like trying to, talk about it. or we can, but, uh, so we went to a, uh, Arlene's sister has like a favorite cheesecake place. She says it's her, like the, the best cheesecake in the world. And so we're like, all right, let's try this fucking best cheesecake in the world. Right. <laughs> and so we went, it, it really is like the best cheesecake in the world. It is so good. But the place, it's kind of funny. The place's name is Papa John's. <laughs> <Whoa>. Yeah. <laughs> and so we went there anyways. So How we, unfortunate <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So we went there and this is like right outside of Nishiki Market. And so um we went into the place and we were just like gonna have our cheesecake or whatever and then leave. And then like while we were like almost done, this guy like comes up to um Alisa, Arlene's sister, and is like, Hey, so like are you Japanese? Like, you know, like or like, he starts talking and he's a white guy. And so he starts talking to her, and like she said, like they start talking going back and forth. Little do we know, we found out that he's, him and his wife are the owners of the restaurant. Oh, for and Yeah, and like his wife is Japanese. Her name is Miyako, and his name is Charles. We're actually friends on Facebook now. That's um, <laughs> And so we, he, he sits down with us. He's like, he's really talkative, really nice guy. So we sit down and we chat. He like invites us to coffee. He's like, hey, just get some coffee. Like, we'll pay for it. It's on the house. And like, um, come down, come, if you have time, like, sit with us. So we sat down and chatted with him for like an hour and a half and like we just talked about a variety of things and one of the things that came up was about how um, he when he like you know went to I think it was Nagasaki and he was talking about how like he felt ashamed right? He's like you know my like I'm originally from the United States he's like I felt ashamed going to Nagasaki and like he, you was yeah he's, you like, should. he's like he's like you know and I, I was thinking like you know as the Japanese people like do they feel that same way? Like I asked the question, I was like, do the Japanese feel like you're responsible? Like, you know, going there? And he was like, you know, to be honest, he's like, no, they don't. And he's like, but I feel ashamed. He's like, you know, I feel like I was responsible and I had something to do with this and like, you know, the blood is on my on my hands. But he's like, you know, the Japanese don't feel that way. They they want the people that like, you know. Right. Americans to come and visit those locations because they want them to understand, like what it actually the implications of things. So it's just interesting that we were talking about yeah. places of tragedy. Right, right. And that conversation came to mind because, you know, anyways. But Papa John's is really cool in Japan. In Japan. Japan. <laughs> in Japan. Uh, yeah, his uh, like, uncle or something. fucking <laughs> <His laughs> <His brother. brother. laughs> <I'm> sorry. Uh, <laughs> the soggiest reason, not even because, oh, I wanted to troll Papa Joe's, uh, so, you know. I actually, believe it or not, gonna, I'll, give, I'll give him a shout out. Like, I'll send him the podcast. You should. You should yeah, be like, bro, we talked about we you talked today. We talked about you today. Um, Good but, luck, Chuck. Well It is, seriously, the best, the best um, cheesecake I've ever had. Up to date. I mean, amazing, amazing cheesecake. Shout out to Charles Roche and Papa John's in Kyoto. We loved it. And his Japanese wife. That's cool as shit, too. Mieko. You, too. Mm. Arigato
3: gozaimasu. Yeah. <laughs> um I haven't had the privilege to really travel around like y'all have. But I do have some questions, maybe, that I will keep in mind when I do travel. Because I plan to... I know Asif, you y'all had booked your tickets three months before the trip. I couldn't imagine, like, in that three months, like what was going through your mind. Like, maybe there was a lot of stimulus in your like normal life that kind of got you hyped about going to Japan in that three months. My question to you and any of y'all that have traveled is kind of going back to what you were saying with your cathedral story um, do, when you go to these places and you travel do you prefer to have a structured like itinerary or do you plan to just go there and just figure it out and just explore and, that, and, and like be spontaneous or do you want to plan out your trip like I don't want to waste my trip like I need to do this and this and this like what are your perspectives on that
0: that's a really good point. I think,
3: yeah. I think that depends
1: 100% on where you're going.
2: I was about to say that too.
1: Because if you, you there's such a thing as over planning and then you end up, and you fuck around and don't get anything done. Like you're like, I want to do <laughs> this, this, and this. And then you're just like so stringent that like you you just make it a list of trying to get all those things done. But you don't actually enjoy those that the experience of doing that thing that you wanted to do. It's just like you're trying to check something off a list as opposed to enjoying it.
2: You know? You're trying to experience so much in the little, in the little right. relatively little time and it's that like, you have.
1: And while yes, on the contrary, there, that may be the only time you ever get to go to that country, but you should think of it as there's always more to see and, I can, and it gives you reason to come back. At least that's how
3: I look at it. Because if you went there once, who's to stop you from going there again? Right, right. So, can, Asa, can you kind of like talk about your process? Like, did you have like a premeditative thing? Like, oh, I really got to try this? Or did you kind of just go with the flow yeah. and let your people kind of like advise you or whatever?
0: Yeah. So, it's uh, to answer your question in a couple of ways. Um, so, AP and I are completely different travelers. Yeah. Completely. And actually, leading up to the trip, so we booked it obviously three months in advance. But the things that get, got me excited leading up to the trip was like, oh, watching YouTube videos. Like those are the things that like helped me like really immerse myself into where I was going. Right. I'm a much more visual learner than like, oh, I'm going to go and sit down and read a book. Right. And like figure out what's going on. Um, so I like watching the YouTube videos and there are so many out there and there's some really good ones that I discovered and I now follow those channels on YouTube. But and I follow a shit ton of accounts now on Instagram of Japan, like Every morning, that's actually what I do. I scroll through my Instagram, and it's all Japanese because they're posting at night, whereas like you know, I'm waking up to that to what um, to what they're posting, and so I immerse myself that way. Like I like to see things and really get excited and, and visualize where I'm going, and that's what gets me excited and going. But AP and I, in the sense of being different travelers, are so. <laughs> I'm much more spontaneous. I'm much more like. Oh, you know, let's go check this out. It's off the beaten path. Like I'd much rather like, you know, but I realize that's not a very pragmatic way of traveling. And so I think I've embraced a piece style because um, that's the Associate Press style. <laughs> uh, I've embraced that style because she's very by the book. Like, you know, you I you should, list, you should you should see our, our itinerary. I'll show you guys our itinerary after this. It's like very detailed, like has a structured schedule like this is what we're going to do today but i think we complement each other in that way because i'm like because i'm so lackadaisical and free with that stuff um it allows her to be just more like calm about that stuff so she doesn't like structure it into a time frame she just says like oh these are all the things that we should hit in this day you know if we hit all of them great if we don't it's whatever we'll just like slide it into the next day or like you know move things around Mm -hmm. i like the structure that she provides because it gives me a basic framework i'm much more spontaneous like oh let's just go with it like these are all the things that are in the book let's check them out eventually like one by one you know and it was her sister helped immensely on the trip her like you know ability to navigate non-popular and or like popular cool but not touristy areas was like very very underrated
2: I agree. I mean, when I when we had Hannah, who has been living there for four months, three, four months, it was it was a privilege to have to have that in and to know. And she was telling me the history and and kind of like the the way of the Belgian people and all that. And it it helps you kind of blend in more and kind of understand this new this new place that you're in, this whole new environment. In our Airbnb, the doorknobs, and this is like a Belgian thing, like the doorknobs are in the center of the door, but on like the lower third, it's like a, it's like a doorknob basically, but in the center. And in our in her apartment building, uh, the person who we were renting from or like staying in, like the elevator was behind a just normal looking door, it looked like a closet door, and we're like, what? And I was like, why is she going to the closet door? And she opens up, and it's like a single elevator. So it's very it's very interesting. Mm. It was it was really nice to have like that to have that have to have that guide that or that perspective that to kind of have that little condensed Wikipedia article that you can reference to yeah. <laughs> in the moment.
0: And the, the the certainly the history is very important. Um, that's something it was so nice to have. Alisa was like I mean unbel- like those little tidbits of information I know that through her, and so I, I was very grateful for that. We got her nice little gift before we
3: left. See, for me, um, I, the way that I think that I would do it w- would be I would allow, I would have certain experiences that I would want to do and let those experiences sort of guide my decisions of where I want to go. But once I get there, you know, it's like a free for all. Like, let me just explore. That's, that's exactly what yeah. I was going to tell you. Yeah. Like, so, I feel like we're the same in that right. regard. Yeah. So that leads into my next question, because I plan to travel solo. So if you was to be on a dolo mission, how would you approach it after your experiences? Like, would you have certain things lined up or how would you do it?
0: If I was to go solo, um, I think if I were to go again solo or go somewhere solo, what I would do is... Still do the same prep in the sense of like me watching videos, really understanding where I'm going, the layout, the land. But I think what I would do instead to be a little bit better prepared would be like getting a map of the city and then trekking out like what sec what aid- what areas I want to go to. Because and this kind of all depends also on the city, because uh, you know, some cities are well much more organized than others. Luckily, Tokyo is a very well-organized city in the sense that you have, like, areas like Ginza and Edo and, you know, like, these are all, like, you know, Shibuya, Shinjuku. Like, these are all, like... Hotspots for particular things, right? They're like Gin- burrows. Yeah, essentially, like Ginza's known for shopping and high retail and very like you know expensive like things that you can see right like you know, here, right?
2: Like the outlets. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: and, and then you have like Shinjuku, which is like a very high populated area that just has a variety of everything. But I think if I was to do a solo dolo mission again, I, w- I would probably you know understand and and um, I would um, be very aware of buying those books like. Lonely Planet. Um, If you have have ever heard of those, those things are awesome. I think they provide a really good framework to understanding where you're going to go.
2: Just speaking from my experience, because I did technically travel alone for for half of it. Um, Granted, my stuff was already planned out and I kind of already knew everything. Um, I would be very cautious of layovers. Because my the layovers that I had when I was traveling together when we were traveling together it was um maybe like an hour in Boston like an hour maybe like hour hour and a half like out like an hour to two hours in in Boston an hour to two hours in in Lisbon but with the time frame it was a little different so it felt a lot shorter um because we were like rushing and all that stuff and then i already knew this like on the way back but i had a 13 hour layover in jfk Shit. and it was an overnight one um i already knew like buying my tickets that i was going to deal with this but i was a person of of exploration of i want to experience this and not many people would want to do that willingly and i already see people shaking their heads inside of this room but i would say bring entertainment like i had my phone I plugged it into the charger. I plugged it into an outlet in the wall, and I just like watched Netflix and, and watched media just to kind of pass the time. And uh, when it was like more two o'clock, eight, two o'clock, three o'clock, I went downstairs, and that's when ever, where everybody where baggage baggage claim um, was. um there's a lot more people sleeping, so that's like that's where I took like a couple like a couple of naps here and there, and like sent snaps and messaged her like well like hour eight (laughs) type of thing um if you want to have an experience with like a capital e trademark do an overnight layover don't fucking do that
1: (laughs) don't fucking do that as a person that has experienced more than one layover don't fucking do that if you have the ability to not have a layover it is ideal uh, the only way I would say you would want a layover is if you particularly plan for it. Um, like say that your layover is in Lisbon, and you have I'm gonna go Anthony Bourdain. You have 48 hour layover in Lisbon. That's enough time for you to go outside of the airport and explore the little bit of Lisbon that's out there, and then come back into the airport without wasting time in, in security. That is one of the only times I would say like if you have like it's like a pit stop. I would use a layover as a pit stop in a in a city that you've always wanted to go to you know that your flight is going to go through there and you have like a day or so to like to, to use if you don't have that I wouldn't do it like I wouldn't just spend 13 hours in an airport that but that's just like my personal experience because like I've had like shit experiences as a child traveling like just being in an airport I've been like traumatized I don't like it
2: <laughs> I mean that's fair enough if
1: you want to do it experience it like, it's a thing that, it's a thing to do. If you, at one point or another, it'll happen to you if you plan to travel a lot anyway.
2: I mean, it was one of those things where I, because I wanted, I wanted, I did want to spend more than a week there in, in Europe, but I had to come back for, uh, my cousin's graduation. So I had, I had to be back at a certain time and well, I'm, I will deal with this a little more when it gets closer to the date. Cause I also bought my tickets like three months in advance type of thing. But it was just, like, that's what I had to do in order to, like, be with the family. Right. And, I mean, and that, it, and that... And that was, like, the motivation. it was
1: unavoidable, then, then I understand. But, like, if you could avoid it, it's probably better. But anymore. granted,
2: I was a 24-year-old that dealt with a 13-hour lawyer. I wasn't a child who had to, like, didn't I mean, have I'm, any entertainment. Your par- and probably whoever you were traveling with, your adults were just, like, miserable, if not more miserable, to be experiencing that as well. I mean, yeah, I guess. I... I
0: have, well, my around. question is, so you didn't uh, go out and explore New York?
2: So that was the thing. That was a huge debate for me. It's like, I
0: feel like you could do a lot in New York.
2: The thing is, is that JFK is a little Further off. off. It's, it's out of the way. It's out of the city. Yeah, right. It's out uh, out of the way. And like, maybe LaGuardia, you'd be able to. Right. You'd be able to. And that's the yeah, thing. Like, sure. if I was LaGuardia, uh, which is closer to the actual New York City city. Right. Like, by the time I would get out there, I'd maybe have like a spend an hour maybe two like around, but I would also have all my bags. For sure. Yeah. Which granted it was only like a backpack and a, and a draw, like a huge drawstring. Like a duffel bag.
1: That's what I was wondering how much, how how, how big was your baggage? And that I understand. Like if I, and that's, and that's exactly to my point of, if you want to have a layover, make sure it's in an airport that you can go outside in at least. Like make sure that the location, the airport is somewhere where you can go outside and, like, kind of explore a little bit so that you're not just, like, confined in one space. Because, like, I don't know. I just, like... I couldn't just, like, sit there and, like... I don't know. I just... Yeah,
2: yeah, I mean, I had to go outside a few times just to, like, get fresh air. And I made friends with, like, one of the security people for, for a couple minutes. That was pretty funny. Uh, it was just... Nighttime at an airport is so much more different than daytime in an airport. That That's just, true. That's I'll true. Just say that.
0: Yeah, I agree. A whole different <laughs> Fine. So I think... Yeah, you know, and I think you're you're the perfect person to go through a solo mission, you know, on, on, oh, yeah. on something like this. I, I do, I would seriously love to go on, a, a, like, a trip with all of you guys. Like, yeah, yeah. as a friend. For sure. Friend group. I mean, it would be really, really fun. So, I think we should, if we can make that happen at some point. We should do, like, a domestic one. Yeah. yeah We've yeah, got yeah. to try yeah. domestic first. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Before um, we do international. And I guess.
1: I actually, I will say... As a word of advice, if you plan on traveling by yourself, make sure you do your homework about the city that you're gonna go into or the cities or wherever you're going. While you are going to be by yourself, that's the biggest thing. Like you're going to be by yourself. It's the scariest part. It's and I mean it's not even that scary, but it's like you have a little bit more stress in that like if you if something happens, you're there by yourself. You don't have another person to be like, Hey yo, like, can you like take care of this for me or something like that? And I would just make sure that you're well aware of your surroundings when you go to that location and definitely like I like the YouTube idea Like that's definitely something I did before when I went to before I went to Italy myself I was watching YouTube videos granted to like learn how to speak the language a little bit, but that's a great idea Definitely like go on YouTube another good piece of advice I'll give you is go on Google Street View and look around at what is there so that way, when you get there, you're not like, oh, shit, what is all this? You can be like, all right, well, you have, you have a frame of reference. Ain't that the fun of it, though? I I, would, I don't know. I would, say, I would think of it as a, as a safety thing more than anything else, just so that you're familiar with your surroundings. I'm not saying, like, to take away from it. Because here's the thing, like, Google Street View doesn't really show you all the side streets and all the cool, intricate shit. It's yes. just, here's the main road. Like, I would say, like, if you're going to do Google Street View of Richmond... Just get on Broad Street, and just go up and down Broad Street, so that way you know what Broad Street looks like. That that way you have like a few places of reference. Like I know what these streets are, you know what I mean. And, and also, it's not like people aren't going to help you there. It's just you have a little bit more pressure on your
2: own. Google Map, Google Street View is also years old too. Yeah, so exactly. probably everything it might be changed and all that. I mean,
1: I, I yeah, that street might not even be there anymore.
2: Yeah, and if and this is just be me, like if I was traveling alone. I would probably go more AP style where I would have things a little more structured just Mm. because being by yourself versus with another person or even a group, you're going to get through things so much quicker because you're by yourself and you're not worrying about other people or like as strong as your weakest bladder, so so to speak. Like I I feel, I feel like I did a lot more um, exploring by myself than, than, than I would have probably with somebody else. Like, So yeah, it's like, you'll be able to be efficient, but I feel like you would be even more efficient because you're by yourself. So you're able to do more things, which is awesome. And you, and you should, and then do more research of like, okay, I can, instead of just doing maybe three things a day, if I was with a group or for another person, I could probably do five things, these five things in a day. So yeah, I would, I would say definitely like what I was saying, like I wanted to, I wanted to do, I wanted to have chocolate, beer, waffles and that and, and that was like my main thing and then I learned about how frites and french and, and fries were so big there so I was like okay well I gotta do I gotta do frites and then oh yeah of course like Stella a trois here like I gotta have a, I gotta have this and that kind of like grew while I was there and then that inspired me to want to wanna go other places granted I wasn't able to go to every, every one of them but I would love to do it sometime in the future. It's like
0: a, it's like a motivator. Yeah. Ter- Turbotory, I think, says a, a, makes a good point is that, um, you know, you identifying the things that are core Faisal would be the best way to, um, figuring out like what's going to be, make the trip most fulfilling. You for, know, you. For, for you. Uh, for you. Not just for like
3: also,
2: top 10 places you people go to. Type of list right, like right. that's not you to do those tourist lists like
3: find the Faisal. List. Oh for sure, yeah. Like, that's what that's what yeah. that's what I'm gonna be using to inform my decisions of where I wanna travel. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that's where I'm gonna begin. I don't know anything about anywhere, mm-hmm. so like, hey, I wanna try this at that of place. Course, of course. So then, once yeah. I get there, do it and then explore from there.
1: Exactly. Hell yeah. yeah but and one more thing, like I would yeah. definitely say the benefit of having an itinerary is. You can have a, like, you can give that to somebody that's here in the event that some, should something happen to you. They'll be able to follow it and be able to figure out where you are. That's a fair point. Like, just like, you know, before you go hiking, you say, hey, I'm going to go on this trail and either I'll text you when I set up camp for the night or, you know, you'll you'll come find my body. But yep. I'm on this trail at the very least so that you know where to, like, send somebody to come Here's look Here's my for GPS you. location. Because. That's definitely something I would do, like make a somewhat, you know, rudimentary or, you know, make a list and say, I want to do these things. And they're going to be in these cities at the very least, say, I'm going to be in these cities on these days and give that to somebody back here that can be able to get in contact with you if they need to. That's like the biggest thing I'll tell you for any of the places that you try to, try to travel by
3: yourself. From there, you do whatever the fuck you want to do. How do you determine how much money you need for a trip? Oh, you gotta look at the place, man.
1: You gotta look at the, like the cost of like what the food is there. You gotta look at where you're gonna stay. You gotta look at like market rates. You gotta look at currency exchange rates. How much money you're gonna need to like actually be able to get there. The cost of travel depends on how much like you are willing to spend.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, tra- tra- plane rides are are are, are the majority a, a whole expense. a whole book of their own because you can go one way, so you can go you can go multi stops. You can go multi-stops with short layovers, mm-hmm. multi-stops with longer layovers, and the more time um, you spend in these places, the cheaper it is, right. but that's less time out of your itinerary.
3: Y'all able to stay within the, like, your spending range while traveling, or did y'all typically just like, oh, I spent more than I expected to, but whatever, it was the experience.
0: So my take on traveling is very different from, I think, uh, some others in the group but that that doesn't mean that you should I think because eventually I think you'll feel this one day as well is that I the most important thing for me on a trip is being as comfortable as possible yeah I don't want to have to worry about money yeah I agree and if that means that I have to postpone the trip for a little bit longer I'd much rather do that yep and it's just and that's just my style is because like I want to be if I see something there that I want to just do I'm right right there with you I want to be like in it right and that's the way i felt about japan japan i think i saved way more than i needed to but i think we also cut costs where we needed to like we cut costs on the, on the airfare we got a great deal for it so like you know a normal plane ticket that would have cost eleven hundred, twelve hundred 1100 1200 bucks we got for half the price you know what i'm saying
2: and then you and then you were able to put that towards other things that you rather want
0: yeah and to be honest like and this is another thing you know, you cut costs on other things like the most two the two biggest most expensive things that you'll spend money on are airfare and hot lodging. Right? So you cut costs on if you can cut costs on airfare, you cut costs on airfare. And if you can cut costs on lodging, then you you're good. Then the rest is all you. Like it's all your habits. It's all like, you know, what do you care about? Do I wanna go see shows? Well then I need to make sure that I save a bunch a bunch of money for shows. If I do do I wanna, you know, go get a bunch of apparel, gear? Like I need to make sure I save much, enough money for that. Like my biggest thing was just like Japan is expensive already, right? And so th- I knew that coming in, so I just decided to go above and beyond, and like so I saved I think three thousand for Japan, and so like you know the, that was my goal, and you know I accomplished that, and uh, you know yeah. and you just have to be disciplined leading up yeah. to it, right? So yeah, that those are the biggest things for me. So luckily, lodging I didn't spend a lot of money on. Um, in Japan lodging is very expensive. So Airbnb tends to work out better than, I think, the uh, traditional hotel. Um, I was telling these guys uh, last week that uh, the way a hotel works is in Japan is that you have to pay per person. It's not per room. So they've uh, the concept is not like, you know, oh, like, you know, we'll just all just crash in one hotel room for the night. It's like, oh, well, if you're all going to crash in a hotel room for the night, everyone's going to be paying it soon no.
1: I Actually, I don't, like, I respect that hustle, though. Yeah, I really do, because yeah. that's like... I wouldn't have thought to, like, charge by head in a hotel. It's like a cover charge because otherwise it's like the United States where you, me, and a bunch of the homies get together and go down to the, like, hotel. And even if it's $500 a night, if it's, like, 50 people, like, you're going to pay 10 bucks per person. You're good to go. You know what, right. what
0: I mean? Right. Right. Damn,
1: 50 people in hotel. I, I, <laughs> oh, God damn. That's a It's a nice hotel. $500 <laughs> a night. Think <laughs> about it.
0: No, but it's a, those are the things. So, I, you know, we, we stuck to that think i bought a touch ton of street food yeah i bought y'all's gifts like you know like those are the things that I- were important i would right. uh i would agree
1: actually i would 100 percent agree with you mm-hmm. like me have more than you'll need have more money than you'll you ever need than you'll need yeah there like have money where like if you were to get stranded there you'd be able to live there for like a month, a month? that's yeah bro like I'm. if i go there and I, like i'm on the same page if i see something if i see like Kenny Omega walking down the street and he's wearing a shirt and I'm going to be, like, offering him money for a shirt. I won't be able to be able to do that. Be like, look, I'll give you, like, $500 for your shirt right now. Because I saved that much money for, like, some stupid shit like that. Like, and I already know, like, when I go to Japan, I'm going to go to the Tokyo Dome. I'm going to go to a wrestling show in Japan. Like, it is going to happen. And that's one of the things that I'm basing my trip around. Off of anything else that I do, I want some good-ass food and I want to go see wrestling. Those are two big things for me. Everybody else in the group that's going to go, they already understand that. And that doesn't mean like I'm gonna like, be the only one, I guess, to do what I wanna do. It's gonna be like that for however many people that, that you choose to go. That wants join like, you. Y'all pick two things to do, you pick two things to do, everybody pick like, at least two things we are gonna do. That way everybody can participate in something different. And, and a, I think that's a good way to do
0: it in a group setting anyway. And Japan, transportation is expensive too. Like, I, I'll tell you right now, like the Shinkansen ride from Osaka to Tokyo, the, that distance, it's a pretty far distance. But it's $150 each way. Adam
1: and I will share our travel stories and our harassing situations in airports the next time Adam is available. The moral of the story that I would 100% like to give to our listeners is that no matter where you are in the world, if you have the ability to go outside and experience a new culture other than your own, please go do it. I, I, I urge you with all of my heart to go experience a new culture. It will change your life. It is absolutely necessary for you to experience that from one human being to another. You need to know what it's like to live in the shoes of somebody else.
2: And that's not necessarily a a culture of you need it needs to be international. You know? Like there there's a there's a hundred different cultures in Richmond, much less in the entire country, you know? And I wholeheartedly agree. If you have the means, financial, phys- physicality, you're able, um, you know, emotionally available to do it, like, go somewhere, man. Yeah. Do a day trip somewhere. Walk around, walk around the city to places that you've never been, you know? It doesn't even, you don't even need a car.
0: You don't. It, it, it's an opportunity for you to grow. As and a person. It, it's a really, really important thing because I think you grow more when you travel. You grow more and you grow quickly, more quickly when you travel. So.
2: And there's so many other outlets to, to travel now. I mean, back when I went to Italy and all that, I mean, Uber didn't exist, That's Lyft yeah, didn't same. exist, Airbnb, Airbnb, did, didn't Airbnb didn't exist, didn't exist either. Exist. either. Yeah. And well. now it's so much cheaper and so much more efficient. And it's granted, an accessibility, of course. And Lyft and Uber is more of an, of an Americanized thing. I, I understand that. But just that idea of that cabbing system. That, like, homegrown cabbing system. It's in mm-hmm. India, too.
0: They have their own. Uh, forget what it's called. But the beautiful yeah, it's part the beautiful part about those things now mm-hmm. existing is it allows for human interaction. And I think human interaction is so important. Being able to either stay with somebody, like Airbnb allows you to do, stay with another person or another family, another environment that's not uh, something you're familiar with. And that allows for that human um, kind of connection to be built even further Look out for part three and four, I guess, because this will be two parts. Yeah,
2: we're going to turn this into a it's Hobbit situation. Parts. Yeah, seriously. Hobbit situation. Three parts, y'all.
0: If you would like to educate us, challenge us, provide feedback, write to us at our email, abvi.us.podcast at gmail.com, or tweet us at obviouspodcast. Thanks.